the most popular topic that we have had in our skeptics group over the last five years is pain, pain and suffering. And that says something. And it means we have to deal with it. It means you have to deal with it. It means pain's coming for you. And if you haven't felt it, you will one day. And it might overwhelm you. Uh, in fact, it might be the best thing for you that it does overwhelm you. Life in this world is described as childbirth in the Bible. I was there for the birth of all four of our kids. My wife had an epidural for only one, so that means she felt all the pain of it all. And I learned my lesson on the first one. I wore my wedding band, and she held my hand as labor was happening and all the pain was there, and she was holding onto my hand as if she was dangling off a cliff. And caught in between her death grip and my ring were my fingers. And so I know the pain of childbirth <laughs> like any real man would. Spiritual pain is the spring from which all other pain comes. Spiritual death leads to physical death. And spiritual pain has led to the reason why you are jealous why you fuel with anger, why you're depressed, why you're terrified of life, why you're discontented, why your life feels dull and why your heart keeps being broken. A stellar argument can be made that there is nothing weightier than pain. Life is a birthing room. And we're doing this, we're either fighting pain we're swimming in the pleasures of this world to escape pain or numb it or running as far away from pain as we possibly can get. And the problem is that as we do all of these things, it only adds to our pain. It only increases it. Seems like there's no remedy. And when we have finally fallen under the spell of pain, it turns us into the walking dead. So what do we do about that? One of my favorite philosophers, Nietzsche, he says that we should embrace pain. He's the guy that made popular this phrase, what doesn't kill you, make you strong, makes you stronger. No pain, no gain. And he says life is meaningless without pain. In fact, he will say life is meaningless, but try to find meaning in pain. And then he actually wants you to go through pain. He hopes that life will throw pain at you so that you'll finally find meaning and purpose in coming up out of the pain. So is he right? I think he's right in part. The reality is part of the reason why we're experiencing pain is because we have done what the Bible calls us rebelling from God. We've committed tyranny. This curse is laying over our land and over our lives. And so pain is just riddled throughout it all. But also pain is redemptive because pain will make you reach beyond this world. Pain will make you realize something is not right here. And it will open your eyes 
to the wonders and the beauties of heaven, or it will least make you hope. And if you stir that hope up enough, it will turn to faith. Pain is here to lead you somewhere. Not to just search for meaning, but to find the meaning of life itself and then life itself. And the parable that we're looking at today is about two brothers who are, who are searching for something that will deal with their pain. And without their knowing it, what they're searching for is right in front of them. Both think that there is an inheritance that will remedy their pain. And they're looking at their father with dollar signs over his head. The real treasure is hidden in plain sight. The silver that pursues you, the gold that is right there before you. It's missed so often because it seems too easy to find. So what is it that's going to heal these two brothers? The balm of the father's love. Luke 15, verses 11 through 32, the parable of the prodigal son, or as we are calling it, the parable of the prodigals. This is our second week in this amazing parable. And here's what it says. Jesus and he, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that's coming to me. And he, the father, divided his property between the two, two brothers. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, father, I've sinned before heaven. And against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And your father has killed the calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes 
you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. First, the multiplying of pain. These two brothers, both of them, they're in search of something that will give them rest from the pain that they're experiencing in this life. And they're looking in the wrong places and all it's doing is multiplying their pain. And you're doing the same exact thing. This is the problem of sin. It makes us look in the wrong places for its remedy. The root of why we aren't happy is the very thing we keep returning to to try to make us happy. Sin is like a fire that will multiply pain and suffering in your life. And it will turn your joy into ashes and stone. Yet we continue to try to escape the pain caused by sin by returning to sin like a dog will return to its own vomit. The story of this younger son doing this is a bit more obvious. He looks in the face of his father, and all he sees is dollar signs. Dollar signs that will give him freedom, that will finally give him a chance to run out into the wide world and experience something that will numb his pain and help him escape through some ecstasies. The father in our story represents God, and God knows the path to joy. He knows the path to peace and contentment and happiness. And the son looks at his father and just wants freedom, and little does he know that love that the father has is his freedom. But the son rejects the father for the inheritance so the father has two options right now. What could the father do? He could either withhold the inheritance, which is probably what most would do, but he doesn't. He lavishes it upon his son, knowing that by giving his son this inheritance, he's going to run into a life of pain. But the father does that because he knows that's the only way to get his son back. If he keeps the inheritance, he remains lost within the house. Your kids will rebel in some way. Parents, you have to learn not to lord your authority over them, keeping them. And let them go knowing. I mean, this is what true love is. Letting them go and experiencing pain so you'll finally have them as a son or daughter. It's one of the hardest things a parent has to do. And there's something that the church needs to learn from this. There's nothing worse than someone lost in the house of God and the church not letting them go and experience what it's like to be lost and then found. Requires a lot of wisdom to know what to do, but it's nothing worse than someone remaining lost. True love 
makes you release something into pain knowing that's the only way to truly have it. The son was never home. He just thought he was in a house. So the father let him go so he could one day come home. And some of you, because of your pain, are on the verge of running from God. And maybe you're running right now and you just so happen to be in this room somehow. And maybe you need to be running. Maybe you need to be like that lost sheep that feels what it is like to have a shepherd come and chase you down. It's the great longing of your heart. So go do it. But this comes with a warning. My experience, you are running into a life filled with pain. But you might need to do it. So you experience when you are at your lowest what it is like to have a good shepherd come and scoop you up when you are absolutely helpless and save you and carry you home. That's what happened to the younger brother. He became a homeless orphan who was eating with these pigs. Some of you need to have a meal with some pigs. And maybe you're too curious for your own good. Dabbling in lesser joys and pleasures. Playing in mud puddles when there's a whole ocean before you. Being offered by the Father, but you'll never know it. And then there's the older brother. The odds are pretty high that there are many of us in this room who are making the same deadly mistake as this older brother. He is not a rule breaker. He is something far more vile. He is a rebellious rule follower. Man, those are the worst. And this is a typical archetype. The oldest in the family is usually the rule follower. The youngest is the wild one. And the middle child is this somehow kid who figures out how to get what they want all the time. But each and every child is bent to get something from the father more than they want, than the father. They want something, and the father is the tool to get what they want. And we do this with God, and I'll prove it to you. How often do you pray simply to just enjoy God? I'm going to go pray. I don't need anything except God, and I want him. And so you just enjoy the presence of God. How often do you do that compared to how often do you say, God, I love you, and I really need this in my life. And I, it, look, there's nothing wrong with this, but look how much, look at your prayers. How much is just devoted to enjoying God, and how much is your prayer to get something that you enjoy more than God? It's what these brothers are doing. How much do you obey God out of love versus to be able to say, God, look, I followed all the rules. I did everything I'm supposed to do. This is how life works, right? I did it all. Now give me what I want. The younger brother ran by breaking the rules. And the older brother ran by following the rules. And his strategy was the same, though. Well, strategy different, goal the same. The inheritance through obedience. There are two ways to avoid Jesus. Run from him as fast as you can or 
follow all the rules so you don't need a savior. Perhaps there is a third. You create the rules, decide what is right and wrong, follow all those rules and say, why would I need a savior? I've done everything right. And you're playing by the rules of your own game. But then the question becomes, how do you respond when God does not give you what you want? Do you say like the older brother, all these years I've been slaving for you. And now I'm here suffering. Watching as all these other people are enjoying the pleasures of life that you gave them, God. And yet look at me. Slaving for you, getting nothing. The older brother was mad he didn't get a party. Now, why didn't he get a party? Because he never was really home. He was in a house, like a slave, like a servant. The father literally says to him, all that is mine is yours, which means he could have thrown himself a party. Maybe he wanted the father to do it. And why didn't the father? Because he was lost too. And the older brother's in pain. Look at him. There's a party going on and he will not go in. The true Christian sees the father's love as the treasure. Now, well, jealous pride, jealous pride is the cause of him not being able to go into that party. He has too much pain to have joy. And I want you to know something. Those who try to earn love are absolutely miserable when it is given freely to those who don't deserve it. How do you respond when there are people in your life who are succeeding at something you want to succeed at? Maybe it's your career. And they post their annoying pictures on social media and you got to look at them. And you know, you're so, you're just, something in your gut just feels wrong. You can't be happy for them. That's older brother stuff. You're, you're secretly happy when someone fails at something. You know you do it. That's older brother stuff. You're jealous of someone's looks, success, happiness, marriage, popularity. This is all older brother stuff. Why are you in so much pain when someone succeeds? Because you don't know the father's love. His love is the only remedy for that pain. And your jealousy is a screaming reminder that you have not tasted the sweetness of his love. And so what do you do? You start working harder. Trying more. Ignoring the balm of love. The only solution is for you to go to the Father. Second point. The father is healer. Look, look the, the older brother is cornered by the father's love, right? So he's just seen the father has thrown this lavish party out of grace for the younger son. And that same gracious father is coming to him and he's starting to corner him with his love. 
And like a lion, he doesn't know what to do, so he fights back. How does he fight back? By bargaining with his works. He refuses to take grace. He can't stand the idea of it. And so he takes all the things that he done, he's done and he starts throwing them at his father. I did this for you, and I did this for you, and I did this for you. Why don't you love me? He can't celebrate. All he has to do is embrace the gift of grace. He can't do it. And you know what? If he had already tasted the sweetness of the father's love, he would have seen this party and he would have loved to go in. Because as he watched the father lavish love and grace upon his younger brother, he would have said, I already know the father has that love for me. I've already experienced it. But he hasn't experienced it because he's been working like a dog to try to earn the inheritance that he wants more than the father. He's a stranger to love, so jealousy takes him. And in this story, which never finishes, by the way, there's a challenge. That's why it doesn't finish. And the challenge is to the religious elite to say, will you lay your deadly doing down and simply embrace this free gift of God's love and grace? Will you do it? To find love is to find something that can't be earned. His love is too rich for your works, and it's far too glorious for your effort. It has to simply be given. And if you won't receive the gift, you receive pain. Nothing is more real than pain. And there's only one remedy. And the younger brother has already been through it. So learn from him. He's chosen pain, he's hit rock bottom, and he had nothing left to do but to cry out to the Father. And, well, you know what he does? He, he makes a mistake again. He adopts the same, he's been watching his older brother, and he thinks that the Father is pleased in the older brother. And so he picks up the strategy of his older brother and he marches his way back to his father. And he says, look, I've sinned against you, but I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to be a slave, just like my older brother. I'm going to be a servant in the house of God and I'm going to earn my way. And the father has none of it. He restores him. Despite all the pain the father has been put through by this younger son. I mean, love will do that to you. Love will bring on a world of pain. Know it. Because there are people in your life that you love, and I promise you that they will hurt you. Maybe on purpose and maybe not on purpose. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to make a choice. Will you fight through the pain for the only thing that could get you through it? Love. Or not. And if you don't, you'll be running into a life of pain. If the father refuses to forgive the son and restore him, the father will be filled with pain. 
Life is pain. Love's the only thing that will get you through it. The younger brother has run his father through the dirt. He's embarrassed him. He's shamed him, and he's made him look like a fool. And the whole community knew it. And there would have been this ceremony that happened with the whole community there as this younger son, rewind back in time, the younger son offends the father and says, I just want the money. And as he's leaving the community, there would be a band of people there, a mob of people. And they would have done this ceremony called Sestanza. They would have taken a glass and they would have broken it. And in doing that, they're saying, you are broken off from this community after what you've done to your father. You are not accepted here. You are cursed, cut off from the land of the living, alone, be gone. And so the father, he knows that that ceremony has been performed. And he knows that as he looks up and he sees this younger son coming, he knows that the mob of people are about to meet his youngest son there at the city gates. And they're going to cut him off. They're going to send him away or kill him. And so what's the father do? He takes off running. He sees him in a distance and he knows he better get to them before everybody else. Middle Eastern men do not run. Well, this man does. He doesn't run because, well, he's got a robe, and so he'd have to hike up his robe like a skirt, and then his white pasty legs are start showing, and it just brings great shame to, to a man like this. But he doesn't care because he's got to get to his boy. So the father gets to him. And the son tries the schemes on his finger. And he throws him a party. And this is not just to say to the son, you are accepted, restored back into the family. He's saying to the entire community around, hey, take a look. This is my boy and he's home. I'm accepting him and you all better too. He is back in. And the younger son looks and sees it all. And he realizes he hasn't earned a thing. And at that moment, he realizes, my father has been the treasure the whole time. How did I miss it? He was hidden in plain sight. The younger son does something every single one of us must do. He stops trying to earn a place in the father's house. He just simply walks in. He has to lay down his pride to do that. The world says, don't accept something you didn't earn. And if you live by that, you will never be a Christian. The man bowed lowest stands tallest in the kingdom of God. And while grace is free, it's costly. Because you are demanded to leave your old life behind. Leave everything and follow him. But then you walk into a world of pleasures and riches beyond your knowledge. And you'll never know it until you take the risk and do the hardest thing that you will ever do. Walk into the house, leaving everything behind. Your sin, 
your shame, your guilt, all the stuff that you have. But now you've left a little shack and now you find yourself in a mansion. Life is filled with pain. But every once in a while, love shows up and heals it all. Because God is here and he's with you. And there are these words in the Bible where God says he will never leave you or forsake you. And this God, he has a son. He has an heir. He has a king. Well, he has sent a king. Third, the greater brother is healer. Let me tell you how this story should have gone. The story should have been of this older brother welcoming his younger brother home right beside his father. His father was right in sending him, like saying, go, live the life that you need, we're here. But what should have happened is this older brother should have gone running after him. And you know, in the story, the older brother, when the younger brother is restored, do you know what happens to the older brother's inheritance? It's cut in two, again. But the older brother should have chased his younger brother down from the beginning, found him and said, hey, come back home. All that is mine is already yours. I'm ready to share it all with you. Come. The older brother should have been eating with the pigs with him beside him, pulling him up out of it. You know, this word prodigal, it means reckless. Wasteful, to lavish, this lavish giving upon somebody. God does that for us in sending his firstborn son. My story, your story, our story starts off much worse than eating with pigs. But we have a king and an older brother who has come. And he's passed through the valleys, he's gone over the mountains, and he has crossed many seas as quick as he can to come and be with you. And he doesn't just walk up to the cross where he finds you lost, broken, dead, hanging upon this horrible instrument of death. He goes further. He doesn't go up to the cross. He goes through it. And he chases you into your deep, dark wanderings where you have wandered into a darkness where no cries can be heard. And there, in the depths of hell, he dies. And then, the love of the Father raises him up from the dead, and because you have taken hold of him, and he has taken hold of you, and all that is his is yours, and all that is yours is his, he brings you up out of that death into life again. But he had to face Sestanza, the ceremony where you were cut off from the land of the living, broken from the community. Jesus is crucified outside the city gates. He is cut off from the Father and the Spirit in this beautiful relationship of the Trinity so that you can be welcomed in and brought home. He broke the curse of death to bring you home. That's your big brother. Because for him, 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. There is nothing more real than pain. And there is nothing more powerful than love. Father, you have sent your son. Bless you. Something that we didn't deserve and we didn't even know to ask for. Yet you gave us him anyway. And Lord Jesus, you eagerly chased us down. You, e you eagerly came into the muck and the mire and the dirt of this world. And you bore our sin and our shame because of love. And so we drop to our knees before you. Not pleading for acceptance with our works and all of our good stuff. But we drop to our knees, Lord Jesus, because we've seen that because of your work, we're already accepted. We're already loved. We just reach out and grab it and take hold of it. And now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you lift us up. You turn us out to a world in pain. And you send us to go tell the world that there is what but one remedy you, our king, our great older brother. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. Like us on your favorite podcast provider. Follow our social media at Grove Church PSL and check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.